This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey guys, here's what's happening at Right From The Deep. Well, first and foremost, thank you to all our patrons on Patreon. You guys, we appreciate you because you help make this podcast possible. And any us, anybody else out there who might want to add your support, please visit patreon.com slash right from the deep. And that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. We sure appreciate it. Special thanks to our December sponsor of the month, Priscilla Shero. She's working on her memoir called Bonked, Life, Love, and Laughter with Traumatic Brain Injury, which will release with Redemption Press. Learn more about Priscilla at her website, Priscilla, P-R-I-S-C-I-L-L-A, Shero, S-H-A-R-R-O-W.com, and follow her blog for the TBI PTSD community. Yay, thank you, Priscilla. (laughs) And it is my turn to share a wonder, and I got to tell you, my poor little dog was sick last night. All together now. (laughs) It was rough. She has a cough, and so, you know, like... Every couple hours or hours, she would have these little five coughs and wake us all up. And we didn't know if she was going to barf and all of these things. Anyway, suffice it to say that I had very little sleep and insomnia. It's it's rough when I get like a couple hours and then I'm woken up because I almost just can never go back to sleep for hours. And... (sighs) You know, if any of you out there struggle with an insomnia, you sort of understand how that is. But I have to tell you that in that quietness in the middle of the night, even while I hate, hate, hate the feeling of that my body has when I'm dealing with insomnia, God is there and God is giving me his peace and his presence in a way that I can never really feel in the daytime. There's too much going on. So I just want to say that that is my wonder, that God sees me through those times. He sees those times, and he's with me in those struggles. And the next day when I feel awful, he sees me through that too, (laughs) like today. (laughs) We're going to record this podcast, and I know that he's going to make it possible that we're going to do what we need to do today because God's going to show up. He's there. He's just always there. And he's going to make happen what needs to happen. And that's always, always a wonder to me. Amen. And now here's the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Right From The Deep. We're so glad you're here. And we're so excited to talk about Advent. You know, I love Advent. The denomination I was raised in is called Advent Christian, just a typical mainline Protestant denomination, but we had a special focus on both the first Advent and the second Advent. And what that does is it gives us a sense of anticipation. It teaches us to watch and wait, to celebrate and prepare, not just for Christ's birth, but for the day he'll return to this broken, weary world. It's Advent is celebration of what has happened and expectation of what will happen. And though the Advent season this year is almost over, the four themes of Advent, hope, 
peace, joy, and love can carry us all year long. In fact, we need to carry a spirit of Advent through the whole year. And to help us do that, we're going to explore four Advent anchors that can hold us firm and fast, no matter what troubled waters come our way in 2024. Indeed. So let's talk about that theme of hope and the anchor that will come from that. So writers, we're all well acquainted with hope, right? When we embark on this task that God gives us to write, we are full of hope and expectation for what God will do in us and through us. And as time passes, though, we might experience some good and some bad or the writing life. <laughs> it can become harder to hold on to hope. And then when we get bogged down in the state of the world and the church and publishing, it becomes almost impossible or it can to hold on to hope. So how do we do that? How do we hold on? Well, we take a firm grasp on Advent anchor number one, and it comes from Psalm 119.14. And it says this, you are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. And so Advent anchor number one is to put your hope in God's word. So you may be wondering, what exactly does that mean? Well, it means trust. Trust what God's Word says rather than what you see around you, you know, like the world and all its problems, the news reports. Right. We're surrounded by evil and hatred. Governments are calling biblical truths hate speech. If you trust what the world is saying, there's no way to avoid becoming discouraged, even hopeless. But when you put your hope in God's Word, you understand this world is the enemy's playground. He's doing all he can to derail God's work in his redemption of the lost. CompellingTruth.org says it this way, quote, When humanity chose to listen to Satan rather than God, Satan became ruler of this world. That comes from John 12, 31. This means that Satan has a degree of authority on earth, and his objective is to cause suffering, death, and separation from God. Never forget that, quote, the devil prowls like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, unquote. 1 Peter 5, 8. Satan is the king of deception and desires us to believe the lie that God does not care about our suffering. John 8, 44. So the key to being hopeful in a seemingly hopeless world is to keep our focus on God and the undeniable truths in his word. Think about John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Just that portion of it tells us that he cares about every one of us, believer and non-believer alike. He sent his son to die for us and restore us to him and his love. Right. And Psalm 34.18 says, God comforts the brokenhearted. Right, guys? If he didn't care, why would he do that? Why would he comfort us if he didn't love us? Psalm 89.14 says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Love and faithfulness go before him. Righteousness and justice, the foundation of his throne. Love and faithfulness, he cares. Yep. And these are only a few of the many, many scriptures that put the lie to all Satan is and does. You guys, hope in God's word. Trust what God says. Then no matter how turbulent the waters are around us, we can know that we're held fast by Almighty God. And we can echo the psalmist in Psalm 42, 11. It says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Amen. 
Then there's the Advent theme of peace. Many of our books have carried a theme of peace to readers. We've crafted stories to take readers on a journey through struggles into the arms of God's peace. And yet, how often do we ourselves wrestle with anxiety, fear, and a sense of inadequacy? How often do we wonder, did God really give me this test to write his stories and books? Especially when you consider things like sales and contracts and the many human measuring sticks of so-called success. And all of that leads us to Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Right, and that leads us right into Advent anchor number two. Let Christ's peace rule in your heart. Colossians 3.15 ends with a fascinating fact. It says, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. You know, think about that, like call to peace. Like, what, what does that actually mean? And I looked in Webster's for a definition of call, and I found like too many. <laughs> and, and so many that didn't seem to fit like right in this context. I'm like, well, what does this mean? So I looked for the Jewish word used in this verse and found that it's kaleo or something like that pronounced. But it means I summon, invite, and I name now, that last meaning, that really hit me. In fact, kaleo is used in Matthew 121 when it says, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. You know, God summons and invites us to peace. But more than that, as his followers, he names us peace. In other words, that's who we are in him. His peace is is a part of our spiritual DNA. Even as a father imparts traits to a child, so God, when we accept Christ, weaves his peace into the very fabric of who we are. All we need to do is embrace it as his beloved children to choose it over those powerful worldly emotions that seek to drown us. So guys, if you're struggling with negative emotions and with wondering why God asked you to write when you can't even seem to gain any ground or with family or personal crises, it's time. Choose God's peace. Place that, not emotions, on the throne of your heart. You got to usher God's peace in with an open heart because his peace is more powerful than any turbulence. His peace pours oil over troubled waters. Okay, story time. I've always wondered where that phrase came from, pouring oil over troubled waters. Turns out it's an Irish priest. It's a story of an Irish priest named Uta and the Irish missionary St. Aidan. Before a sea voyage, Brother Uta went to St. Aidan and asked him to pray for them as they traveled on the sea. He did so, but he also gave them some holy oil, saying, you will meet with a storm and contrary wind, but be mindful to cast this oil I give you into the sea, and the wind will cease immediately. You will have pleasant, calm weather to attend you and send you home by the way that you desire. Well, sure enough, Uda and his companions were caught in a terrible storm, and they were sure they would die. But Uda remembered St. Aidan's words. He grabbed that vial of oil and threw it on the raging waters, and immediately the waters calmed. And the sun came out, and the rest of their voyage was safe. I love that. What we see in that story and in Scripture is that embracing God's peace requires action, okay? It's action on our part. Yes, it's a part of us, but we must also turn to it and choose it when everything seems to be saying the last thing we should be is peace-filled. So how do we do that? 
Well, Philippians 4, 6 through 9 gives us the perfect guide. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So step one, prayer and petition with thanksgiving in every situation. And guys, to be clear, this is telling us to be thankful for the difficulties that may have made us anxious. Why would that be? You know, I think it's to give us opportunity to do exactly what our guest Rachel Hauk was talking about in our last podcast episode, to watch and wait and see what amazing thing the Almighty God is going to do. Step two, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's an old principle, guys. Garbage in, garbage out. What you put into your mind will produce a result. Put in what is true, noble, and so on, and you get God's peace. Put in Satan's lies or the world's ideologies, you get anxiety, worry, and worse. Mm -hmm. And so step three for choosing peace is this, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. That's another quote that we're just moving on through the scripture there. And guys, there's so much wisdom in the Bible. And Paul shares a wealth of guidance for godly living. But we need to do more than just read it. We need to put it into practice. That's a choice. That's an action. We need to follow the wisdom in the word of God. We need to do the things we're instructed to do as his followers. And then the result of following these three steps, it says, and the God of peace will be with you. The next trait that we're looking at for Advent is joy. Now, I'm sure you've heard people speak many times about the difference between happiness and joy. So let's just start here with this. Joy is based on internal factors. Happiness is based on external factors. Now, guys, there's nothing wrong with happiness at all. It's fun. It's positive. But it can be gone as fast as it comes, like, you know, poor book sales or a canceled contract or massive rewrites, unfair reviews, all of those things. So many things in the writing life can kill happiness. But joy that's based in God has staying power. It's an attitude of the heart and spirit. Because it's from God, it can coexist with other emotions, even negative ones. Yes, guys, yes, it can. We can be joyful in the face of anger, fear, even unhappiness, because joy is grander and deeper than happiness, and God's joy carries us through whatever storms we encounter. So Advent anchor number three is tap into God's joy. And I know what you're going to say. How do we do that? Well, we immerse ourselves in that divine sustaining joy by following some tips that David gives us in Psalm 1611. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. So, hey, step one, spend time with God. Just as you can't build a healthy relationship with other people without spending time with them, you can't find joy in your relationship with God unless you spend time in his presence, talking with him getting to know him and learning what he thinks of you. And trust me, it's good news. <laughs> it the great thing is that wherever you are, God is there too, okay? You're there together. All you need to do is turn your heart and your thoughts to him. Seek his presence. Acknowledge his presence. Revel in his accessibility to you. 
you guys, he is never too busy. He's never distracted. He's never dismissive. Think about that. There is no other person in the whole wide world you can say that about. God's attention is always on you, and he's waiting for you to seek him out. So do that. So David, next tip from Psalm 3321 for tapping into God's joy is this. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. So step two, trust God. My hubby and I have been through a lot of difficult things over the nearly 44 years of our marriage. Some of them were devastating. And after a number of years and crazy, difficult things happening, we developed a sort of mantra over our lives. Here's what we always say. God is in control. I may not understand it. I may not even like it, but I trust him. Do you trust God? Do you really trust him to the point that you can echo with Job, yea, though he slay me, I will trust him? If you're not sure, then let me encourage you to dig in and explore whether or not God is trustworthy. Even if you do trust him, dig in and be reminded of God's character. Guys, if you seek him, he'll show you who he is. I guarantee it. And the next step to tapping into God's supernatural joy comes in the first half of Psalm 9, verse 1. It says, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. So step three, praise him. When we praise God, we focus on who he is, on what he's done. Praise ushers us into God's presence, and it centers our hearts and our minds on him. And praise reminds us of God's intervention in our lives and of the blessings he has already given us. Praise breaks the chains of Satan, the chains he's always trying to put on us by enlisting God's protection and action. That's what praise does. It enlists God's protection and action, and it restores our souls, and it infuses us with joy. And finally, consider the second half of Psalm 9-2. I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. So step four, testify. If you're a parent, remember the first time your child took a step? What did you do? You told everyone about this amazing, (laughs) miraculous feat and how brilliant your child was. Or the last time you saw a great movie, you told your friends and your family about it and told them to go see us. Or the first time you got a writing contract, you sang it from the rooftops. When God works in your life, he blesses you or upholds you. When he brings you relief or an answer to prayer, when he opens your imagination and gives you a story solution you would have never thought of. When he speaks to or through you at a writer's conference, whatever he's done through you and for you, guys, tell others. Let people know the wonder of following this loving and all-powerful, unbelievably kind God. Don't keep it to yourselves, you guys. Sing it out. Follow these tips from David, and you'll be able to say with him, I will be filled with joy because of you, O Most High. I love that. Love is my favorite Advent theme. It's the favorite theme for the whole year, love. And not just any love, but God's love. There is no comparison to God's love. No love is so amazing, eternal, or far-reaching. His love is what draws us to him. It's what motivates us to do whatever task he's given us, even when it's something as hard at times as writing. So Advent anchor number four is the simplest and yet the most profound. Dwell in God's love. 
There are so many verses in the Bible about God's love. In fact, he tells us about his love like 310 times in 280 verses. But here's the deal. Even if you read those verses over and over and over, you'd never fully understand God's love for you. In Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3, 18 and 19, he says, And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Okay, so we can't fully understand it, and yet there's nothing more deserving of study and exploration. God's love is the beginning and end of all that exists. It's what brought us all into existence, and it's what will usher us into eternity with Him. So what are some resources to help you better understand God's love? Well, Scripture, guys, Scripture is probably your number one resource. You meditate on it, reading it, studying it. God's Word is a love story. And then fellowship with other believers, that's another resource. Your church, Bible studies, fellowship groups, the more that we share our experiences with God's love, the better we all get to understand it and learn it and know about it. And then there's books about love, fiction, nonfiction. There's podcasts about God. Just spending time with Him, too, is another resource. Just be with Him. Just listen for Him. Take some time in silence and listen to Him. You know, as someone who grew up in the church, I've long cherished hymns. I've often told writers that if they want to see powerful, concise writing, read the classic hymns. Their powerful truths reveal the wonder of God's love. So I'm going to share a few of my favorites with you. One hymn is called, O Love That Will Not Let Me Go. And the lyrics are this, O love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe, that in thine ocean depths its flow may richer, fuller be. Hmm. I've never even heard that. That's amazing. (laughs) Here's a hymn called The Love of God. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. And then listen to the lyrics of And Can It Be, so powerful. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me, who caused his pain, for me, who him to death pursued. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Can it be? You'd better believe it, because God's love for us has no end. And when we accept that love and dwell in it every moment of every day, nothing can shake us. No storm, no trial, no disappointment, no upheaval. Nothing can dislodge the anchor we have in his love not just for the coming year, but for our whole lives. Amen. And here's Romans 8, 38 and 39. It tells us this, nothing can ever separate us from God's love. 
neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So as we close this podcast, we want to offer the following benedictions for each of these Advent themes. May they encourage and bless you today and in the coming year. First is a benediction of hope from Romans 15, 13. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And here's a benediction of peace from Philippians 4, 7. May you experience peace. God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. A benediction of joy from 1 Peter 1, 8-9. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and you believe in him. May you be filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And finally, a benediction of love from 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at rightfromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Thank you.